When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Happy Wednesday, Second Print Nation. Your co-host, Mark Claire here with a little message before we get into today's episode. I want to make sure you guys know we have an awesome giveaway going on right now for new patrons of the Second Print Comics podcast. Uh, of course, over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash secondprintpod, we give away all sorts of items to our patrons. But for this month, right now, we are giving away something even more, something extra for patrons at any level. Even at our lowest level of $5 a month, you are going to get a free graphic novel delivered right to your door. We only have three left. So this is first come, first serve. Remzo just sent out one this week to our newest patron who just put us over the $300 a month level. Now, we do have a goal at $500 a month. You're going to get an extra show. We're going to start incorporating interviews into this feed. So that is a goal to look out for there. But again, we just have three left. All you got to do is join the Second Print Patreon at any level at all. Patreon.com slash Second Print Pod. Even if you sign up at a level where you do get a graphic novel shipped to you because those levels do exist, $25 a month, you get to join the Epic Crossover level and you get a graphic novel hand-selected by Remzo and I every three months. Well, you don't need to wait three months if you sign up before this giveaway ends and it ends when they're all gone. Again, we have three left, so don't waste any time. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash second print pod. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the second print comics podcast. Starring Mark Claire and Rimzel Martinez. Guess who's back, back again, Hellboy's back, tell a friend, Hellboy's back, 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 I'm not going to keep doing the whole thing, I can, I can probably do the whole song, but, nobody needs that, you can hear actual Eminem in there, my side uh, vocalist there, doing the, uh, What's it called? Backup vocals? They've created a monster. Welcome to SPC. Not a musician, Remzo. Not a musician. It is, of course, the ramblin' Remzo Martinez. What's up? Uh, It's another day, Mark. Excited. You know, we didn't even intend on doing a whole bunch of, like, horror-themed stories, but I guess that's just how much we automatically like the Halloween season, that our minds are subconsciously saying, do Hellboy this week and do another one this week and throw in some Marvel zombies there and a little bit of other stuff here, and bam, you've got Sandman in the mix. I kind of still wanted to work some of these into October. Now that we're here, but I, we kind of started this a month early. We did the, the Sandman stuff. Definitely has a lot of horror, creepy elements, uh, and of course, Marvel Zombies. You know, seeing Black Panther and the new Fantastic Four tangling with Marvel Zombies—that uh, was just crazy and wild stuff that I'm, I'm still kind of recovering from. So it's you're been welcome, a, a America. 
Yes, it's been a fun few weeks here at SBC. Be sure, if you're new to the show, which you very well may be, be sure to click back and listen to all of our back catalog. You can find those, you know, just, you know how podcasters work. You guys listen to podcasts, you know why you're here. Or you can, of course, head over to secondprintcomics.com where you can find the entire archive. And if you're just thirsting for more content, well, more content we have behind the old paywall, the Patreon, the uh, Get Mark and Remzo Rich Fund. Just kidding. The uh, the Fund This Program uh, Fund for now uh, at patreon.com slash secondprintpod where we strive to give you all sorts of great bonus content giveaways. What kind of stuff can they get on the Patreon, Remzo? You're, you're the bookkeeper here, really. Well, I mean, you know, for five measly bucks, and I mean, you, you just you just shit out that money. You just burn $5. You can go ahead and get a whole bunch of bonus content and early releases. That involves stuff like Claire Continues, the random Marvel Comics podcast, Remso rants and recaps of all your favorite shows, such as Captain America. I'm sorry, so I was about to call him Captain America and Falcon. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soul. Soldier, Loki, WandaVision, uh, What If, and we'll be doing Hawkeye up near the end of the fall, near the end of the year. I can't so wait for we, Hawkeye. We, we've got, you're, you're going to tackle Hawkeye. Indeed. You're, you're going to have fun with that one. But uh, we've got that at the $15 level. You get all those things. Plus, you can go ahead and jump on a, on a monthly uh, call over Zoom with Mark and I and other awesome fans where we just bullshit and conspire for about an hour. And then at the $25 level, okay, so you get all that stuff plus... Plus, you get some awesome swag, and uh, you also get a hand-selected hardcover graphic novel sent what? to your door every three months. And, I mean, if you, if that's not the best way to go ahead and build up your library, I don't know what is. But we go ahead and we add a little, you know, panache to it, you know, the little cherry on top with some witch, with some, like, whipped cream. And often a nice little note from Renzo, which really, you can't even put a price on that. I mean, I, I, I draw a little smiley face on there. I'm jumping over my words. People have them framed on their refrigerators. Yeah, I mean, they, they put it right next to their kids art it's awesome it's like he can read and write in english good for him but and here's- then someday you can use that to uh mimic remzo's handwriting so when he becomes a big comics writer you can just fake his signature on your favorite comics just remember that. it's an s not a z but <laughs> if you can't think of any way to make all this better and i'm always stammering over myself because this is a part i really get excited about it's our 50 dollars a month kirby club you not only get all the other awesome shit i just mentioned but every three months, you're in the queue to produce an episode of the show. Wild. Kabam! Absolutely wild. And we have had fun with that so far. I may have never uh, met the Leprechauns were it not for the Kirby Club. Kirby Club is a special place. But yeah, that's uh, that's it. So go ahead and figure all that out and more and get in on the action. Oh, by the way, any of those levels, you also join our Second Brick Comics fan zone, which is our private Facebook group, which is the only reason I'm still on Facebook anymore. We have so an absolute blast in there. It's it's where all the goodness in the world goes as the rest of humanity dies. But yeah, that's patreon.com slash second print podcast patreon.com slash second print pod all right well that being said i think it's time to dive right back into hellboy and as i said hellboy is back this is actually the second time in this in the i think this is only the second time in the history of this show that we are going to be picking up directly well it's not even really directly so the the funeral for a friend storyline that we looked at a few weeks ago that picked up literally the next panel after uh super the death of superman literally the next page is where we picked up that story from but this is actually chronologically the next story in the hellboy saga after we reviewed hellboy seed of destruction last october when we were looking at spooky stuff around the same time of year then um one difference here though 
in that story, in that trade paperback, that one was written by Mike Mignola and John Byrne. He, he brought in comic veteran comic book writer John Byrne to help him with the scripting of that because that was Mike Mignola's really his entry into comic book writing. He had been primarily a, an artist before that. Uh, but now he has shed his uh, his mentor or whatever role Mike Mignola was, or John Byrne, I should say, was playing in the scripting of the comic. And now this one is entirely written and drawn by Mike Mignola. So we can keep that in mind going right in. And um, we st- we start off with issue one here. And and what I like about Hellboy too, and I think this is another reason I really got into the character is like I, I'm I'm I have a thing with the numbers, you know. Like I I'm kind of a completist in some ways. Like I don't like to. I feel weird when I get into a series. Everyone on issue. knows you have OCD, Mark. Yes, I have OCD. That's that's a, the a, the more clinical term to use. Like I can't start reading issue three of a series. That would drive me insane. I have to go back and start issue one and get the whole thing, or I have to stay away from it. It just it drives me nuts uh, having sort of a partial view of things, uh, which is why I got so attached to like a lot of these new image books in the early '90s because I could start fresh, and there was just like su- such a good feeling about that. Same reason I got to I got into the t- 2099 books from Marvel because it was like oh cool a fresh start. I don't feel like I need 30 years of backstory here, even though there's actually 100 more years of backstory in in theory in the storyline but that's neither here nor there uh but what i really like about the hellboy series is that it's it's a series of miniseries there's never been a hell hellboy indefinite ongoing series and you always know that going in so it's like okay hellboy seed of destruction this new miniseries is coming out it's going to be five issues I can commit to that right now. Uh, the next chapter is going to come who knows when in six months or a year. That's going to be five issues. Cool. Oh, there's this Hellboy story that came out. Uh, it's just one one sixty four page special. Awesome. I'll grab that. And it never feels like an overcommitment. And I think it always it keeps, it keeps the character really fresh to me because, you know, he never gets he never has to like really drag out storylines to get to the next issue. Never has to have filler issues. He really Mike Mignola really just tells the Hellboy stories that he wants to tell, tells them for as long as they need to be told puts it out and then goes to work on the next one. And then, you know, maybe it's a year or two years sometimes. So you get the next one, but I really like that structure because you never really get bored with the character. Or at least I never get bored with the character anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that's one of the very unique things about Hellboy. The fact that it's never been that ongoing. Like I, I, I read Hellboy in single issue form when I think it was the Hellboy 1959 series. It was right after around the time, I think by four or five years of a, uh, whenever they killed Hellboy and then you had Hellboy goes to hell and then you had like Lobster Johnson and BPRD, which were very much their own series. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, it says something to the cult fanhood of this character, because when you look at how long he's been around versus the number of issues he's been, he's not somebody that's ever had to rely on crossovers. I don't think he's ever crossed over into something that's not directly Hellboy related. He's not part of a giant universe. But then it's like, look at it. It's, you've got like two animated films. You've got two uh, live action films, which did well with critics and fans alike. And I have still not seen the David Harbour. I, I have not seen that movie. <laughs> you either. know what's funny? I was I went back to listen to the Hellboy episode we did a year ago just to kind of refresh myself on what, what our opinions were and what we talked about. And we had the same conversation then. I was like, you know, I was going to watch it the other night, but then I didn't watch it. And then I so a year later, I still I, 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 I have not seen it, though. I have watched. Uh, it, but you've seen Bloodshot four times. Since I've then. seen Bloodshot five times. But actually, no, <laughs> Like I still, you know, I did finally watch it. I don't know if I told you that. Did you like it? Um, I was not impressed. So I, here's the problem I had the whole movie. I was waiting for him to actually become bloodshot and it never happened. <laughs> he was just Vin Diesel. I think you kind of warned me about that, but yeah. by the time I watched it, I, I forgot about it. 
Like it's it, it is what it is. But at least you watched it. I've I've seen uh, Hellboy and the Golden Army in the past year twice, and I that movie's great. I, I yeah, I mean it's it's one of the, I'd probably say it's one of the best super, comic book superhero movies that have come out. Period. Like I think it's really an underappreciated treasure. But you know, like I I still don't I still have no desire to watch the David Arbor version of Hellboy. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe by yeah. next year but yeah we'll so you've got so you've got that you've got multiple video games i mean this is a character that like refuses to die like people fucking love him yeah well here we are nearly 30 years later talking about it so uh we dive right in now to hellboy wake the devil number one we start off uh in the and i would recommend by the way going back to listen to issue 11 issue damn it Damn it, it's been a while, but I did it. To listen to episode 11 of this very podcast where we looked at the first uh, trade paperback, the first miniseries, uh, Hellboy Seed of Destruction. We literally, where I'm going to start the story here, picks up like it, it is the next chapter right, right after that one. So it would help you to understand a little bit of the backstory if you went back and listened to that episode. But I can't force you what to do. If, I, if not, let's just keep going, you know? You, you listen to your podcast, however you want. I'm just going to give you the appropriate warnings. But we start off in the northern coast of Norway inside the Arctic Circle. And we see this helicopter coming in uh, by this castle. And this guy is getting out of the helicopter. The helicopter says Zinko on it. Guy's walking up to the castle here. He actually just throws. He doesn't knock or anything. He's kind of rude if you ask me. But he just throws, uh, grabs a rock and throws it through a window and breaks in that way. He comes in and sees this uh, kind of Nazi symbol uh, along with this uh, serpent creature. Uh, so, you know, but we've already seen in the uh, in the, the first series, we saw Nazis, we saw satanic creatures. And guess what? There's a lot more of that coming because this is freaking Hellboy. Uh, so he goes and he uh, basically presses this button and gets pulled down into this basement. And a boy, we see a voice from off screen, off screen, off panel says, stay where you are. Who are you? How did you find this place? And he says, oh, God. And this guy is coming up in this machine. He kind of looks like Dr. Octopus, actually. Uh, he's coming up in this uh, machine and he's like basically threatening this guy and this other guy. The, these are basically the three at the end of the at Seed of Destruction in the epilogue for that one. We basically saw these three Nazis who were part of Project Ragnarok with the guy that I called Satanic Wizard Man back in episode 11. We do find out his name is uh, Grigory Rasputin. We'll find out in this series here. Uh, but these are the three Nazis that were working with him on the Project Ragnarok, which is what brought Hellboy into this earthly plane. Uh, so these are these same three scientists have been thought out. And this Zinko guy is uh, there and he's kind of like pleading to them. He's like, hey, hey, no, listen to me. Listen to me. Like I was sent here uh, by this guy. I saw this guy. He was your master. And they're like, all right, well, explain yourself at once. Tell us what's going on here. So he tells this story. Uh, that he was basically on uh, on his little island that he owns in the Caribbean because he's he's a rich he's a super rich guy like that, and uh, this guy uh, shows up who we will recognize as the satanic wizard man from Seed of Destruction shows up on the beach. He's written Ragnarok in the sand of the beach. How lovely! And he approaches this guy and he basically basically tells him that he he will offer him a purposeful life. And uh, we don't really see the entirety of the, of the conversation there. Uh, but essentially, this this rich guy uh, at the direction of this Rasputin character are going to he's offering these nazis uh all their all his riches all his resources uh basically whatever they need to go do whatever nazi stuff that they want to do he doesn't really know he's just following his orders uh from his his new master so to speak uh then we go forward one year later to soho new york city what do you think of the introduction by the way just uh just the setup here with uh with um this guy coming up and and meeting these recently thought out nazis 
Well, what I like about Hellboy is that when they go ahead and they start off each of these uh, different stories, is that very much follows that of what I would consider like a universal monster type of storyline where you've got like the clear setup. Everything is kind of there. So they're setting the pieces. So there's not too much to figure out, but it's still beginning to make you think of like what the stakes are and everything. So I, I, I like this type of setup. It's a little bit predictable, but it serves the story as much as what we saw of Seed of Destruction last year. Yeah, I, I enjoy it, too. It's like a, it's like a cold open that kind of starts hot, but it's something that is going to kind of foreshadow events that we're going to see unfold later in the story. Uh, but yeah, we, we then go to Soho, New York, uh, where we kind of see this sort of like, eh, I call it like a, a satanic museum of sorts. It looks like there's all sorts of scary imagery, including what appears to be some kind of a statue of Dracula. And uh, this woman just appears. Uh, I believe this is Ilsa. Yes, it is Ilsa because he screams Ilsa. Ilsa is one of those Nazis that we saw in the, uh, the cold opening there. And um, he he, um, yeah, he basically gets shot, uh, by her. And, and then we see this, uh, an image of this other guy, uh, kind of behind him. Uh, so we don't know what's going on there, but something, but we're going to find out because we are going over to B P R D headquarters, the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense, which is actually located in Fairfield, Connecticut. I didn't realize that until right now when I was looking at this panel, I grew up Remzo in new Fairfield, Connecticut, which is actually nowhere near Fairfield, Connecticut. It's like an hour. It's away. all connected. It is all connected. I was meant to recap this story from the, from birth. Um, but basically, uh, they're given the lowdown on this guy. Uh, they're, they're talking about this guy. He, this is basically the same guy we saw appear right after this dude got shot uh, by Ilsa in this, uh, you know, the satanic museum or whatever it is. And we learned that this guy uh, fought in the Napoleonic Wars with the Prussians. Uh, then he went and fought with the Austrians. Uh, in 1812, he led these guerrillas in Russia, and he was known as Giorescu the Devil. Uh, he went on to work with Napoleon. Uh, and, and during, I think it was during the Battle of Waterloo, they say he was murdered. He was mortally wounded, but then two weeks later, he just suddenly appeared and, and was back again. And they, they say that he was healed by the light of a moon of the moon of a full moon in the, in his castle. Um, in uh, 1882, we learned that this guy, Sir Edward Gray, said that he's establishing uh, a secret evil empire and that he is a vampire. And, um, he, in, and then we, uh, fast forward to, well, let's see. I don't know. I think I messed something up in my notes here. This is a lot because there's like literally there's there's pages and pages and pages of backstory here uh, where, where they're basically just describing every, everything with this uh, Nazi guy. Um, and, and then uh, later on, like the Nazis basically sent that Ilsa character um, to to recruit this vampire. Uh, she was sent there by Heinrich Himmler. And later, Him Himmler would order this vampire, this Vladimir G. Rescue, this vampire's arrest. So he was brought in to work with the Nazis. But then for some reason or other, they decided that, you know, maybe this working with this crazy vampire guy might not be the best idea. Uh, some guards later testified that he was killed and his ashes were sent to Hitler. So this guy has apparently been killed like, like multiple times now. Um, let's see this other guy, this Hans Ubler guy was murdered. That is the guy I think we saw get killed by Ilsa earlier. And they basically say he ran with, he kind of ran, went around with this mystical horror crowd, including some people associated with that Ragnarok group of evil Nazi scientists who are the same ones that brought Hellboy into the world. So all of this, like, I really love that. Mein Gott. What's that? 
Mein Gott, mein Gott, or whatever the hell that is in German. This is a pretty lengthy recap, but to me, it was interesting enough that I never got bored. You know, you can, you can often get bored when you're just given, you know, three or four pages of a speech, uh, just sort of laying out the backstory for something. But here it just, it really seemed to pull me in because it's a really interesting backstory. Like uh, basically we're, we're learning this guy is this vampire and, and I, I am a big history guy. I know you're really into history too. And I, I enjoy when they work in, you know, history, mythology, you know, actual historical facts and events with with actual mythologies with with whatever myth mythology of source that Mike Mignola himself is is crafting here for us. So that stuff really really works for me. So I really enjoy getting these sort of long explanations of what of what these characters went through throughout history and and how it all ties in together and how it always seems to at least in these first two stories tie into Hellboy's actual origin. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, it, that's perfect. And, you know, this is one of those stories where, well, actually, no, I'll just say the series as a whole, whenever we see something Hellboy related, some people are either on the camp of like, make it really wordy and I really like it or be less wordy and more art. And I feel that my struggle with Hellboy is that it's pretty much in the middle because you get like a lot of these big opening expositions each time a new series begins, but it's not like it lasts like that throughout the series. It pretty much sets the stage early so then you can go on and just really focus on the balance between the art and the dialogue and the exposition and everything so while some people are like oh i don't like that it's too worried it's like you just need to bear through it for like a you know a few pages to even the first book or so and then just move on because it's all going to pay off and i'm somebody who gets a little impatient with stuff and i even am like no you have to understand it because then everything else just really shines I think that's one reason it really works in this miniseries format because it is going to pay off and it's going to pay off in the next five issues. You know, you, this isn't some long drawn out thing where you're like, okay, I guess I'll read all this. Is this going to matter in three years? Am I still reading this book then? No, you're like, I'm reading this miniseries. I'm going to get the payoff. This isn't uh, some so- Hickman shit. Yeah. Uh, but it, what I like about it too, is like these, these Hellboy stories, they feel like movies. They're kind of structured like a movie. So yeah, you get, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the background, a lot of story, a lot of the exposition in the beginning, uh, so that we can get the payoffs to it later on, uh, you know, went towards the end of the movie, so, so to speak. And I, and I really do look at a lot of these, these Hellboy stories as movies. They, they feel like movies. They feel very cinematic in the way they're structured. Uh, moving on to yeah, so continuing here, uh, basically, and and in the end, this uh this crate that supposedly had Vladimir Giorescu's body is what was stolen from this guy's store, uh this this creepy satanic store here. Uh, so they got to go find it. Why? Because their rumor has it that there's some some people that want to bring this vampire back, and he can some he can come back when he you know is exposed to the moonlight or something like that. There's some kind of ritual, and we don't need more vampires running around at, at the end of the day, especially when they've been associated with Nazis. It's just too much bad stuff. So they're the be. PRD is going to send uh, this team, uh, three teams uh, in classic uh, comic book or action movie style. We got three teams because there's three possible sites that they could be at. There's this guy, Mr. Clark, who we don't really know much about. He's he's like a, he's a new character. I believe he's a new part of the team or he's at least new to us. Um, and Abe Sapien, who we have seen in back in Seed of Instruction. We also have someone called Mr. Waller, who I believe is also a new character. We don't really get too much backstory on them, but um, let's just say it's kind of like the ensigns in Star Trek. You know, when you don't know much about some guys there's a reason for that <laughs> you're not gonna need to know too much about them uh and uh we also meet a new agent who is known as mr leach i don't think he ends up mattering uh in this particular story or not uh but yeah so those those are the three teams um hellboy is is i think is going on his own 
uh, because he's a fucking Hellboy. Hell yeah. Hellboy's talking to this woman, uh, Kate, who it kind of seems like they're flirting, so I'm not really sure what the deal is there, but I know that like after the last story, after Seed of Destruction, after Liz Sherman uh, got herself all fucked up with uh, by, by Rasputin, she took like some time off, and she had been kind of getting into a thing. It was implied. You never really saw anything happen, but maybe she was a little flirty with Hellboy, so maybe the fact that she was gone for a year or so here, uh, maybe Hellboy's now getting sweet with someone else. I don't know. We don't really get into the romance stuff too much here. Hey, Big Red needs a little something, something too. Hashtag planting seeds. You go Hellboy. Go Hellboy. <laughs> yes, planting seeds. Planting seeds of destruction. X, X, uh, X. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, he's always kind of planting seeds. <laughs> he's always kind of, even though we get these self-contained miniseries, he's always is sort of planting some seeds for future stories as well. So there's like, there's, there's payoffs coming for both short and long-term, you know, readers of the series. Um, moving on, let's see. Um, boom, we go to Romania where that's the site that Hellboy was sent, I believe. And do, are the Nazis there? Yeah, I think, I think the Nazis there, this Nazi Ilsa is there and let's see what is she, in? she has the body of Vladimir Giorescu and she is ordering the body. Yeah. So she is, these other Nazis are in Norway and she, cause she's talking to them on some like telescreen. So they have, they have little Nazi, you know, little Nazi zoom meetings here. Is your connection lurking? Unmute yourself. <laughs> she says, I told you how, uh, how the body has to be placed. It has to be placed in this like very specific way. Uh, so then we go down and this guy, um, I forget his name. I call him gimp mask though. He's the Nazi that wears this gimp mask and he's, he's talking to this other guy, Leopold, this other, uh, big Nazi guy. And he is basically expressing that he is, he's pretty skeptical of, of, uh, of this Vladimir, of this Nazi, of this, um, you know, vampire thing. And he's going to go when ahead. The dude in the gimp suit is skeptical. Yeah. You need to listen. <laughs> and, and uh, no, actually, is he skeptical of, of Vladimir or of Rasputin? I, I got Vladimir and Rasputin. Uh, yeah, no, he's talking about the vampire in this in this case. Yeah. So he's saying like, yeah, this this vampire is out of control. We don't want to go working with vampires. Even Hitler recognizes that. That's why he had this vampire fucking killed. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and make my own army. So this this uh, this get mask guy, he is going and making his own army of like, I don't know what they are, but they're all inside the cell. We all these like kind of like liquid container type things. And uh, we also see he has some kind of mummy-esque creature that he's working on as well so all sorts of various horror elements are all kind of merging here and that's another thing i enjoy about hellboy you get you get everything you get vampires you get satanic uh you know demons you get uh ancient goddesses you get all sorts of stuff you get mummies you get it all and it's just a it's a it's a hodgepodge of everything horror and and scary um, moving along, we see uh, Abe, Abe Sapien and uh, and Hellboy are in a plan together, kind of kind of having a little heart to heart. And uh, he's just basically getting dropped off because you know, Hellboy is pretty tough. He can just jump. He doesn't need to be. He doesn't. You don't need to land the plane and let him off. He can just jump out of the plane. So they're basically just flying over uh, his spot in Romania where he he jumps out of the plane. As he's jumping out of the plane, he's he's clicking on his parachute or uh, thing to open up, and he's like, "Oh, this is a new." They said they told him it was a new and improved model, so he's clicking it, clicking it, and he's like, he's like, "Well, a new and improved." My ass keeps clicking it, and then the freaking parachute blows up. Uh, so I guess he's not that tough. He didn't. He didn't need a parachute. <laughs> I guess he wasn't just planning to just land on the ground. Uh, but this parachute blows up, and Hellboy falls right through this castle. Where right when Ilsa is showing back up, and uh, or no, she's already there. This is the castle she was in. Uh, she is that at Castle Giorescu showing up with her, her Nazis, and Hellboy just falls right through the ceiling. We just all we see is his fiery, flaming stone hand come through the ceiling as we wrap up the first issue. You. So uh, after already going through Seed of Destruction with me last year, 
here, jumping right back in here with Wake the Devil. What do you think about, you know, how, how are you feeling about diving right back into Hellboy? Are, are you are you feeling it like you feel, felt it last year? Or do you feel like he's just kind of maybe dragging out? Because it is a lot of the same, it is a lot of the same characters. You know, we are, we are it's kind of like a, a continuation of the same story more than it is a sort of a brand new story from scratch. Yeah, it, it was like a, I think it was like a two year break between Sea of Destruction and this one when it came out. And, you know, I, the, the thing about Hellboy is that it is, it's a lot of repetition in the way that the stories go. But that's almost like the, the thing about it. It's like you can watch the same Christmas movie the following year right. and it could still be a good experience. And it's kind of like this. It's like if you were reading it back to back or if you watched a Christmas movie in July or something, it's just kind of wrong. With Hellboy, you know, like my, what, what I said last time was it follows a, a pretty predictable theme. It takes a little bit while at the beginning, but it slowly begins to build up that anticipation. I'm going to say the same thing for this one. It follows the exact same formula. And, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, it's too formulaic. I can predict it. That's not always a bad thing if it if it's able to pull off well and it has its own artistic spin to it. So while I'm while I'm going to say that this is almost following the same beat per beat as Seed of Destruction, it's not a bad thing either. They, he McNola knows what works. Yeah. So I'm 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 as excited to continue this story as I was last time. Even if I could predict some of the beats, there's going to be stuff that you didn't see coming still. Yeah, there's uh, when there's beats that work, then then use those beats, play those beats, you know, strum them along, Mike Mignola. And and I think a lot of these Hellboy stories are, too. To me, it's it's like I don't want to say it's not about the story because it is about the story, but it's also about the characters and the way they interact and their character development. And that's why even when we might just be like back to fighting satanic wizards and Nazis again, uh, it still feels really original because the characters are growing and developing along the way. Um, but moving into issue two here, uh, we pick up right where we left off. Hellboy has crashed into Castle Giorescu in Romania, and uh, Ilsa is right there with her Nazi buddies, and she's like, oh, it's the American ghost hunter, Hellboy. So Hellboy's like a known known guy. He's like, you know, he's known as this paranormal investigator. Everyone knows there's this weird devil creature that, that goes around doing paranormal ghost hunting, as Ilsa would say here. A little condescending to call him. There's anything wrong with being a ghost hunter, Remzo. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I feel like Hellboy is a little more than just a ghost hunter. So she's, she's kind of being like, I'm a ghost hunter. Hellboy is Hellboy. Hellboy is Hellboy. Indeed. He can be whatever the hell he wants because he's awesome. Time for a cheap plug. Where can people find your show? Go ahead and catch the witching hour across 17 public access stations throughout the country or even easier. YouTube at Argos Paranormal. That's Argos Paranormal where you can catch seasons one through three of the witching hour. The only award winning documentary series that covers the paranormal in the world. Go ahead and check out more at ArgosParanormal.com. That's A-R-G-O-S Paranormal.com. All right. That's a hell of a plug. It's almost like you've done that before. Um, moving Only on, bit, Mark. Hellboy sees these Nazis and he's like on fire and flaming and still recovering from this, this stupid you know, new parachute that blew up. And he just goes, nah, nah. Nazi Nazi and because he, he hates fucking Nazis so he's so you know hell hellboy's going nuts now he's like god damn it I crashed in this castle now I got to fight these fucking Nazis and uh, uh Ilsa sends this guy this uber she calls him the unmensch after him uh he's got this like kind of size this big bald guy with like a cybernetic arm basically coming after hellboy here and they have this battle that goes on for a few pages here and another thing I really like about these series like a lot of the story is told in the art of Mike Mignola and how he he really plays out some pretty unique battle scenes 
scenes often. And this guy's, uh, this unmentioned arm, like he basically has this, has this detachable uh, chain fist that comes off and attacks Hellboy. Hellboy eventually grabs this chain, uh, grabs it and pulls it off his arm and then beats, uh, beat the, uh, beats this unmentioned, like near to death with it. And then they, uh, as, as soon as he kind of knocks him down, they both fall through the floor together. So uh, pretty quick, but yet very entertaining uh, brawl that, that Hellboy's in there with this unmensch uh, creature. Um, we then see that uh, we kind of get a flashback, actually, uh, to December 23rd, 1943. Um, this is basically the aftermath of the event that we saw in Seed of Destruction, this ritual that they did this re- with, with these Nazis that we've seen, along with Rasputin. And uh, this guy, Von, Kl- Von Krupp, uh, is uh, is yelling at at, um, at Rasputin. He's like, you failed. Um, he's like, Hitler is not going to take very kindly to this failure. And Rasputin is just saying, like, I have not failed, Von Krupp. I've set in motion events which cannot now be reversed or undone. I promised Air Hitler a miracle, and I made one. But you will not live to see it, General. My miracle is for the future, for the new Reich. There is no place for your kind in the world that is coming. And they basically just like cast out uh, Rasputin here. But this woman, Ilsa, she follows him. And she's saying, Master, Master, I, I know you've spoken the truth about your new world. Say that I will live to see it. And he says, Ilsa Hopsin, your faith has served you. When the new world comes, you'll be at my side because he who believes in me will never die. Child, has your faith revealed to you the true name of your master? And she says, Rasputin. And this is where we finally get a little bit of backstory, a little more backstory story on him. He was originally uh, known as Rasputin the monk murdered by Prince Yusupov in 1916. So we're starting. So to- this is the same Rasputin as the historical figure. Yes, yes. So th- that's why I really enjoy how he he takes historical figures, like real historical events, and then kind of ties them into other types of mythologies, like you know some of the s- satanic stuff with these other you know these otherworldly dragon creatures that we'll see. Uh, this goddess Hecate we'll see later, and ties them all in together into Hellboy story. So yeah, that's one thing I really appreciate about um, Mike Mignola's storytelling here. Foshes. Uh, yeah, basically Ilsa was faithful to him. So she gets to have a spot by his uh, side. And she, like I said, she doesn't know who he is, that he's, he was killed in 1916, uh, but he is immortal. And uh, basically her and those other three Nazis, they're all on board with, with his thing. So they basically sort of defect secretly defect from the Nazis. And they basically say like, yeah, we're, we're your guys, Rasputin. We're, we're here for you. We'll do uh, whatever it is that you like. Uh, we also see, let's see. Uh, oh yeah. We also get a glimpse at uh, this interdimensional space dragon prison <laughs> uh, of, cause he references this dragon. This is the creature that he was trying to summon back in seat of destruction. Um, and he mentions uh, that, uh, yeah, this basically this, this prison of, of that is holding the dragon uh, Ogdru Jihad. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's kind of like, I think it's like a prison. I, I haven't quite fully grasped like what's going on in this interdimensional uh, thing, but we saw it in seat of destruction as well as well and there's this like priest there and he's saying beware the beast beast jihad for he would give the world back to chaos essentially it's like we're supposed to basically Rasputin serves I wouldn't call it Satan or Lucifer but it's basically the the forces of darkness or chaos that kind of are without a name and this dragon is sort of a manifestation of that force of that force so so Dana Carvey's church lady is wrong when she would guess because who is everybody to her what was her line Satan Satan. Is it Satan? Yeah. 
She wasn't. She didn't yeah. exactly have it right, but she was. She was on the right path. It was just a little more complex than that. Oh, you you don't go without a name. I'm sorry, you go without a name. You don't have a name, really. I think I know what that name is. Satan. He's saying some something about worshiping this the dragon. It, again, I'm 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 a little bit confused about the interdimensional uh, rock space station thing, but uh, it it all plays into the mythology uh, about this uh, this ancient dragon creature that uh, Rasputin is trying to summon into the world uh, in order to serve the forces of chaos, the forces of darkness. Ancient dragon creature. Can- can't you see? You're the monster for me. And then we go to uh, Romania, uh, where this old guy is just sitting in the window while his daughter's trying to talk to him. She's like, Papa, come to the table. You need to eat something. And Papa? And he's like, and he just says, there's a raven on this on this uh, windowsill just staring at him. This this, this, uh, this red-eyed raven. And he says, he's come back. And she's like... There's so like, many... Like, Mark, there's so many possible puns you could take just from this one page. I want to start singing Yentl. I want to start <laughs> reciting The Raven. I'm just going to stop. She's very, very Yentl here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways you can go. A lot of directions you Papa, can Papa, can you hear me? You can do a little Edgar Allan Poe. Many directions we can go in here. But, uh, yeah, basically he says, she's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what, 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 what came back? What do you mean? And he's like, listen to me, child. Uh, do what I say, okay? Tonight, see all the windows are closed. See that your children say their prayers and sleep with their rosary beads. In the morning, you take them and go live in uh, with your sister in Bucharest and never, never, never come back to this place. And she's like, no, 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 what? She's like, it's too late for me, child. Just too late. Leave me here. And we see this raven kind of staring at him. Uh, so this guy knows that something bad's happening. Um, uh, Hellboy is then uh, kind of, uh, it seems like he's, uh, wading through sort of the the sewers of, of this castle here and uh, he's like man how much blood was in this guy because there's this blood like pouring out of that that creature he defeated uh, and then he comes and says he finds this little skeleton guy and this guy the skeleton creature is just like hello and he was actually eating the arm of this creature it appears and he's like Hellboy's just like kiss your ass goodbye freak and this this little skeleton guy's like oh no youngster you don't want me it's the boy you want yes the boy Vladimir Giorescu oh yes and Hellboy's like alright where is he he's like come with come with me uh he's look he's like look these were his ladies and he there's all these pictures on the wall uh of these uh these like four women uh voika and arena caroline mary catherine who was the prettiest and little anna who was nicest to me all gone and she he says ilsa hopstein so we're getting a little more backstory here ilsa hopstein brought them to germany that's what hell that's what hellboy says and he says, no good Nazi bitch didn't say it. Don't trust her. Stay at home, I said. But no, he likes the German girl. He wants to see her. New modern world. I'm just an old man, but I don't I don't know things. So basically, this this guy, uh, long time ago, hundreds of years ago, um, basically like rescued Vladimir after he was killed and like thrown into a river. One of the times he was killed, he he brought Vladimir's body back here, and these like these like handmaidens did this ritual to this goddess uh, Hecate, and basically he called Vladimir his son, but he wasn't his like his birth son. Um, and yeah, see and- what happens when women have too much time on their hands. They start like dealing with the devil and shit. This is a guy. All right, guy. Who are the handmaidens? Oh yeah, the, oh yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Don't give him a pass. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they basically like Vlad, this Vladimir guy died in the ice, and then he had him killed and brought back, and they, he killed like all these. Uh, he like made these sacrifices for her, which was this goddess Hecate, who actually brought her, her back. And he's saying uh, her handmaidens are coming, and Hellboy just fucks this guy up and, and burns and like destroys and burns his his big dumb skull here, and he's just burning. This little creature's just burning and saying too late, too late. And Hellboy then goes in. He's like. Did he say the moon door? So he sees like a door with a 
the moon on it. So he's like, okay, moon door. And uh, so he goes and uh, takes this door, uh, goes down these stairs inside this building, finds the heads of three Nazis uh, on this thing. One, they look like the Nazis that had been there uh, with Ilsa. And he's just like, ah, too easy. Uh, he's like, these Nazis are already dead. This is great. Suddenly there's a knife in his back. I think that's actually been there already. Yeah, he's been carrying that knife around in his back since he was fighting the unmensch. That's a little attention to detail. I, I'm realizing now I'm going back to the pages. He's had this knife in his back uh, for several pages. Uh, yeah, no, it was actually, okay, yeah. It was that it was that skeleton guy that stuck the knife in him, but he's had it in his back uh, since that time. And uh, yeah, then he turns around and sees all these ravens, all these birds, but these are no ordinary birds. They're actually kind of human shaped in a way. And he's like, oh, God damn it. Women of Thessaly. Oh, I knew that sounded familiar. And that's how we wrap up issue two. Uh, it's like I, I, one thing I really like about Hell, Hellboy. It's like, it's clear there's this mythology around him. Like, like in the in seat of destruction, he had all these different trinkets. He had like 40 different things that he had gathered from missions past because he's been doing this since the 1940s. So there's all this, like there's the world mythology. There's the historical events that they tie in the real life historical events. And then there's this other mythology of Hellboy that they don't just tell us everything that happened. They just gives us, glimpses of the fact that he's been around all this time so like clearly he's had a tangle with these women of thessaly before and so it's like just to him he's like oh god these things again so it's it's little touches like that little character bits like that that i that i really enjoy about hellboy yeah and that's the thing about him like in sea of destruction we got his origin but there were still a lot on the table and with this one, they're still kind of doing it. And that's why I like, because I feel like sometimes some comics, they, they go one of two routes. One, it's where you follow along with the character's origin. Let's call it like a Spider-Man type of arc where it starts from ground zero and builds up. And then you've got some others that are like Batman. When Batman was first introduced in Detective Comics, it, we didn't necessarily get a Batman origin. I mean, we did, but it was really like this Batman has been operating for years and people know him and he's doing his thing. And then we're going to learn more like later but that's not like the singular focus and that's why i like about hellboy they can give you enough but still have you asking what more am i gonna get out of them it's kind of like a paranormal james bond in a way you know we come in we get a james bond story and there's lots of references to the fact that he's been around a long time uh, but you don't need to know that stuff it's just like little trinkets that add to the greater mythology of the story now that give it more weight at the end um, moving into issue three, we get a little backstory on the witches of Thessaly. According to Greek folklore, they are women with the power to draw down from the moon to transform themselves into monsters, birds, and animals. They were known to eat corpses and excrement and possess insatiable sexual appetites. How interesting. So. Um, we go right back to Castle Girescu in Romania and Hellboy is just getting like fucked up by these birds. They are tearing at him, clawing at him. And he's just like, ah, get the hell off of me. And I just, I really love all the, all the fight scenes in Hellboy. They're just really fun. Um, and he's like, I'm not kidding. I will not be good. I will not be food for bird women. Like, this is not how I'm going out. And he's like, and this lady's just like, ah, and she's like, yeah, you too, lady. And then he goes, he shoots, he shoots a few of these birds. Um, uh, he also gets, uh, his one hand fucked up. He's like, God damn. He actually blows up his own hand when he tries to shoot this uh, bird lady. He's like, no more guns. Goddamn machines. What I need is something with no moving parts. And he finds this dagger that uh, was in this piece of stone, pulls this dagger out. He's like, all right, motherfuckers, it's showtime. And right as he's ready to go fight these ladies, this coffin opens up and out starts to come this skeleton. And he says, blessed moon, mother goddess, see how Giorescu becomes himself again. So I guess, and you see it's the full moon. So the full moonlight is coming. It is, in fact, revitalizing the body of Vladimir 
Giorescu, he says, kill him. He does not die. Burn him. He will not be consumed by fire. Truly, he is much more he- than human, more like unto God. And Hellboy's just like, oh, shut up. He like, Hellboy's so sick of hearing all these speeches. He got to he had to hear this huge speech uh, from uh, Rasputin at the, at the end of Seat of Destruction. And he's like, yeah, shut the fuck up. And same thing here. Like, Rasputin's trying to give his whole speech, and, be- and Hellboy's just not having any of it. And he's like, all right. So Hellboy just goes after him. And he's like, yeah, you're big, you're big talk for a guy, a guy with no pants. And Giorescu says, leave this holy place at once or stay and have such pain and Hellboy just dives at him and screams wah and uh, right as he's diving at him he gets looped uh, picked up by one of these women of Thessaly one of these giant bird creatures and he's like fuck so she's uh, no, actually, he does. He, they both get picked up, basically. She tries to grab uh, G-Rescue. Yeah, so he is stabbing. I think he's, yeah, he is stabbing. Somehow the body of G-Rescue, he stabs the body of G-Rescue, and G- the body of G-Rescue falls down from that point and falls down into this uh, open grave that was that was there, uh, whereas Hellboy also falls down, uh, like, through the castle. Ca- castle. Then he goes up to this uh, this grave where the body fell, looks down, There's and now it's falling through another hole. So Hellboy's, like, always falling through holes, always falling underground. He dives on in there and uh sees the body he's like all right uh you're finished right you're, you're done i told you I, I knew you'd be done you're done right what do you say we finished this okay and he's like yeah fine so he's like all right i guess i guess he goes to get the body and then, then he sees a hand pop out of the water he's like oh come on geez he goes to grab him he's like wow you're pretty slippery here and then suddenly there's all these snakes uh, everywhere just jumping out of the water and all these snakes are attacking hellboy so he's like ah fuck it get me out of here um, so Hellboy's uh, run runs away basically with all these snakes, and then we go back to the body of G Rescue, and he's kind of talking. He's 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 basically calling uh, for this goddess Hecate. He's saying, uh, "Save your poor son, quicken me one last time that I might taste blood again." And then we see her appear, this sort of green spiritual creature. She says, "My son, so long as I am in the world, you will always live. And he who threatens my child in my home becomes my enemy." So Hellboy has now uh, things that weren't bad enough. He's chasing this freaking vampire. Uh, he's now got this goddess who's after him now for for fucking up her son so uh just continuing to make enemies here uh as we go along uh we then go and we see that ilsa is there talking to rasputin now this is spirit rasputin because real rasputin his or the human body form of rasputin uh was killed but it makes transportation easier because now rasputin is in spirit form he can just go to the beach recruit these freaking millionaires to help him out he can show up in in, uh, romania talk to ilsa do what he has to do and he's basically just going on his whole rant we've kind of heard a lot of this stuff before um about you know about uh you know how he wants to bring this uh bring this dragon back how he was raised uh brought back to life by the baba yaga the, the great she's this great witch whose chicken leg house i i had seen so often in, in his boyhood dreams because ever since he was a kid he'd had these visions uh of being at the this place called the world tree with this this baba yaga basically witch who was kind of the one that was like speaking through him and sending him messages and such and uh yeah basically he he practiced satanism uh he worked his way into the russian wo- royal family and he waited for a sign and it came on december 16th when his friend felix used Yusupov shot him in the back and hit he and his cohorts did their best to murder me. This is him t- is in the first person. Now, of course he's speaking, uh, finally throwing me into the frozen Neva river, but I didn't find death there. I found the dragon. I found my answers and found my purpose. Grigory Efimovich Rasputin was reborn in chaos. Ilsa Hopstein, would you be reborn? And she says, sure, I will. That sounds great. 
Re- being reborn sounds fantastic. He's just like, all right, well, you've destroyed, you've been a destroyer of men. Would you become the destroyer of mankind to dwell forever in blood, riot, and fl- flyer? Quite an offer. And she's like, yes, please. This sounds fantastic. I, I, she's really, really into this fucking dude. Like, like she's, she, he's really got a, a hold on her. You might say, uh, she'll basically do anything now. He says, all right, well, good. You see the sunrise when it rises again, you will be changed forever. Uh, we then see a little chat here uh, between this new guy. Uh, what is this guy? This is the Waller character and uh, Liz Sherman. And she kind of tells a little more about like, he's, he's kind of like, I heard what happened to you last year with this whole, you know, the whole crazy thing where the satanic wizard guy took over your powers and fucked you up and all this stuff. And you were gone for a year. Like what happened? Why did you come back? And she basically just says like, yeah, the B- BRPD, BPRD, whatever one it is. I always mess that up. Um, she, they, they saved me. Basically she was, when she was 11 years old, she like murdered this kid. And, uh, they took her under her wing, like trained her to use her powers and stopped her from actually going to jail for that. So she's like, you know, at the end of the day, where the fuck else am I going to go? Like, I don't have any other family. Like I was raised by this fucking bureau. So just a little more, a little another, uh, character moment there uh, for Liz Sherman. Uh, then uh, this uh, guide guy there with, I think that's the, one of the other new characters um, who, you know, for good reason, we don't need to really remember his, his name. He's like, Hey, this wall here kind of looks like a door. And uh, now that I look at it in the daylight and he wipes it off and you see uh, these sort of these alchemy symbols on it. So they go into this door and it sort does seem to be some kind of crazy temple of sorts. And uh, this is where they find this, uh, I, th- I believe this is the mummy creature that we saw earlier. I'm pretty sure it is uh, only without the mummy wrapping. And they're like, Hey, look at this body. What, what the fuck is this? And they're like, Oh, it's a homunculus. Like I saw one in Prague back in 92 or in 82. I've, I've never even heard of one this size though. This one's freaking huge. And, he, and, and, uh, and he's like, uh, this Waller guy's like homuncula. What? He's like, it's an artificial person made from blood and herbs stewed in a jar and incubated in horse manure, sort of like a medieval test tube baby. <laughs> um, and then they're kind of looking at this thing they're reading these books here and then for some reason Liz they, this the homunculus has this hole in the middle of it and for some reason Liz goes to touch it and uh this other guy's like don't touch that and right as she touches this thing like a fucking moron this thing springs up and like comes to life and, and she's just like oh Jesus I can't I can't do it and he's like Liz get us out of here Liz get us out of here and she just can't she like can't use her power like she's all fucked up from this thing and uh this thing basically just kills uh kills this other guy so that's that was my reference to the ensigns in Star Trek whenever we meet the new characters for for the BRPD it's like it's oh here's Mr. Someone he just joined the he just joined uh, the the force or whatever the paranormal investigation team here and then that guy probably is going to die. Hope he didn't get too attached. I hope he didn't get too attached to this guy. I think he was Nevo was, was his name. Uh, we do head back to Norway where the Nazis are convening. And um, we find out this one Nazi, uh, the, uh, the Gimp, the Gimp Nazi. He has the head. Oh no, this is actually the Zinko guy. He has this head and he, he finds his head and he gives it to, um, to Gimp mask Nazi. And he's like, Oh, and, and the Gimp mask Nazi is like, Oh no, this is great. I'm so glad you found this. This is a uh, Herman von Klump, von, von Klempt, professor Herman von Klempt. And, uh, uh, that Leopold guy is like this lunatic. Have you gone mad? Carl, Carl is the name of the, of the Nazi guy. It's Carl Leopold and Ilsa are the three Nazis here. And I guess this Carl guy was a big friend of this, like professor von Klemp, this Nazi, this guy is a Nazi that has like a swastika, like on his forehead. And he's like, he was my friend. You know, we, we were at university together. We worked together. Himmler recruited us together into his special group. He really should have been one of us, but you we know, had matching t-shirts. We had matching t-shirts. Uh, we did. We had coordinated handshakes and high fives. It was, 
with the whole thing. And he's like, you know, look, uh, he, he should have been part of the Ragnarok project, project, but Rasputin had failed to recognize his genius. And Leopold says, well, Rasputin is our master. And uh, Carl's like, well, can't the master make one mistake? He's like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to bring this guy back to life. I'm going to make a little army. Like, we'll still do the Ra- Rasputin stuff. I'm just going to have this little... This I little need some projects no just big... for me. Yeah. Can't I have some things that are just mine? What's about my happiness, yeah? <laughs> do we have to do everything together? <laughs> Uh, we then go back to uh, this R- Romania, uh, some miles from Castle Gia Rescue. We see that same old guy that was like saying he's back and everything, talking to this priest. Uh, and, and this priest is basically like, uh, this guy's talking about these dark days coming and how he sent his whole family off so that he wouldn't, they wouldn't see him become his puppet. And the priest is like, who's puppet? And he says, uh, Gia Rescue. And he yells at the priest and tells him to fuck off. Basically, he's like, you're a fool. You should leave this town. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay here. He's like, well, this is no, this is going to be no place for a priest pretty soon. So get the fuck out out of here and he screams and screams and as he comes as he as he runs away we see uh we see that same damn raven again come out popping about uh we head back to castle gia rescue and we see hellboys there and he has stumbled upon i guess this whole this whole like um stash of nazi weapons um and um cash cachet right cash cachet is that how you say it Cash. weapons cash he's found a bunch of weapons a bunch of nazi weapons and he's like all right well he's talking to the bprd on his little like his little like apple apple watch or whatever it is and he's like all right well um found all these weapons i don't know i, I think i killed that guy but i'm not sure he's dead i think we should just blow the castle up so i rigged up all these weapons and uh yeah in an hour this thing's gonna blow so hellboy again a lot like in a movie he sets his clock and we see that clark st- clock start ticking so he's got an hour to get out of that castle uh but as we see this clock sticking we see a voice coming out from that grave where we thought we left Gia Rescue and he's just saying Hellboy, Hellboy what are you thinking here as we're about halfway through we got, we got two more issues left um, th- this is really where things are starting to pay off because a, a lot of like this like inner political strife amongst the cult and everything else uh, watching Hellboy just do his thing it's like just give, give the people what they want and I think they're delivering indeed um, moving on Hellboy is, um, as he's leaving the castle here, he is following, he's hearing Gia Rescue's voice. So he's like, ah, fuck, I gotta, I gotta follow this voice. You know, I can't just leave this fucking vampire, make sure he doesn't get, you know, make sure he get, doesn't get out of here and escape before I blow this castle up. And he's like, Gia Rescue, is that you? And he hears the voice, Hellboy, Hellboy. He's like, you want a rematch or what? Come on, tough guy, let's do this thing. And then uh, this wolf is outside howling and then uh, this raven pops in, uh, breaks into the castle and she say, and this raven screaming, witch queen, gorgonide Hecate. And, and uh, Hellboy's like, Hecate, damn, I don't have time for this. And he looks at his clock and there's like 36 minutes left and the raven says, hail Hecate. And this creature, this same spirit that we saw talking to uh, Gia Rescue before, uh, kind of emerges starts speaking in, in tongues here says hellboy as long as i have been in the world men have spoken of you prophets have foretold your coming i have waited all these centuries to see you with my own eyes how strange you appear to me now so short of your glory you are hard to recognize because and, and and hellboy this is like his classic line whenever he gets mixed up in all this shit that he really doesn't want anything to do with i mean he is a satanic uh you know he is like a, a, a paranormal investigator but he's always getting wrapped into this stuff where they're always making about him saying like he's the key to this and that and he's always says the same thing he's they like, all just like me for my big red swollen fist 
and Stonehand. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're too lost among the humans. You have nearly lost yourself. You've turned your back on your own kind and worse, you are soaked in their blood because this is what he does for a living. He fights paranormal creatures and he's supposed to be this next thing that's supposed to, you know, be part of the, the prophecy that brings sort of chaos and the dragon and all this stuff into the world. Satan. Yeah, essentially. Um, so she's basically just given him the whole speech again. And we know how Hellboy does not enjoy speeches. And she's like, you can stay. He's like, you slew his father. Now you can be just like his father. Stay with me. So now she's getting sweet on Hellboy. And he's like, God damn it. That's it. Gotta go. He's like, I'm not getting into it with this chick. He's like, gotta go. You got the wrong. Ah, and she just she scrapes his face. And she's like, lady, I was going to cut you some slack because you're a major mythological figure now. But now you've just gone fucking nuts. And he just nails her with his big stone hand. And again, it's like, it's kind of like Spider-Man. I mean, it's a different kind of humor, but I, I enjoy like a lot of times it bothers me when there's like witty quips in comics during battles for some reason, maybe because I grew up on it. I really enjoy it from Spider-Man. And for some reason, I really enjoy it for Hellboy. It's just kind of part of their characters. Whereas when other writers try to wedge that in as a characteristic trait onto other characters, it bothers me. But when it's, it feels right for the character, it works for me. And, and for Hellboy, it feels totally right. What, what do you think about the general you know idea of how I mean, comics are unrealistic anyway, so whatever. But it's of 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 witty quips during intense, life threatening battles in comics. I think it speaks to a broader thing whether or not a writer really understands the voice of their character. Um, you know, like I, I think some characters have been pretty consistent over the decades. I think um, I think the Hulk has been pretty consistent. I think Spider Man, even through his more harsher periods during the Dan Slott era, uh, has pretty much been consistent. But then you have some characters where it's like their whole personalities or their whole dialogue changes based off who's writing them. And, and I think the I think the need to be quippy has become somewhat of an industry demand. But like you know, I feel like it's an MCU creation in many ways. Like once they started having Thor make jokes, then it's like, all right, it's quip time. Everyone's making quips. I take it farther back. I think it was really like as much as I love the toys and the action figures and the models and stuff like that. When the toy industry started looking at comic books and saying, you have to start making your characters less violent or more uh, accessible for children. That was really where Mm. it began. The Joel Schumacher era of Batman films really did that too, because you saw a giant uh, backlash in the comics because um, they were saying, you know, the toys are going to impact the movie. Now we want them to impact the comics and the comics during that era. were like, no, we're going to go fucking darker because for, the first time in a while people were actually buying Batman because during that whole era um, Batman was not selling until you know around the time of Nightfall I mean that's just that's just the truth I mean it's really started the Dark Knight Rises but with Nightfall it's like that's when monthly Batman books were actually like selling like 300,000 plus copies uh, a month across uh, across the country so like you know that that whole effect has been here for a while and we kind of see it here I don't, I don't feel like here it's inappropriate but in other places it is and you know, like uh, it, it, when, when a creator gets to hold their character for a while, the voice stays more consistent. You always mention this with Savage Dragon. It's it's absolutely true there. It's true like this with Spawn, even though McFarlane has been, you know, more behind the scenes more often. He still gets a lot of that control. And I feel that as long as Mignola is doing that with Hellboy, that's why with Hellboy, it's like people look back at this and they're like, oh, was it wedged in there? But if you know the character and everything else, it makes sense. Yeah, I agree completely. And it, it, it completely works for this character. It, it's like with Suicide Squad with um, with David Ayer, like his biggest complaint was that Warner Brothers was saying, make the Suicide Squad like Deadpool. 
And it's like, that's not how it works. It never works when you're trying to make, make this thing like that thing. Cause that's kind of what they tried to do with justice league. The first version of the justice league movie, uh, when Joss Whedon came in, they said, Oh, make us Avengers, you know? So then they took everything that Zack Snyder had done and tried to turn it into Avengers. Which yeah. Is Joss Whedon work. is Satan. Move over Rasputin. We got exactly. Whedon. Rasp Whedon. So yeah, uh, Hellboy is fighting this Hecate now. He's just had to battle so much, so many fucking random creatures here. Uh, and uh, basically he battles her. Uh, he also says like, and by the way, like I, he's just, she's still kind of like seducing him while they're battling. She's like, you can be with me forever and all this and that. And he's like, look lady, like, uh, you only like me for my big red fist. Yeah. He's like, he's like, look, this isn't going to work. It's not going to happen no matter what, even if you, you know, like he's like, cause you're ugly and you have a giant snake body and it's just not my type. Uh, so he takes this spear and like jabs a spear f- through her. She's like flailing about while he's hanging on by the spear. Again, it feels very, very cinematic, very much like something you could see you'd see in a movie. And they're falling out of the castle now. He's falling with her as he's falling, like he's falling like inside her spirit body, and he pulls like her skeleton out. And then he finds himself in like in this darkness with all these other like serpent creatures. And he's just like, oh god damn. <laughs> and then right as he's saying that, he's he's looking at his watch, and his watch is now clicking down two seconds, one second, as he's saying, son of a boom and then we just see the entire castle uh explode uh then we go over and uh we see that uh the the brpd they're talking to uh waller and i think that's waller i get it i get all the new guys mixed up because why because they don't matter they're ensigns they're star trek ensigns and um uh, he is talking, uh, him and Abe are talking to uh, the BRPD and they're saying, uh, well, we got a signal on Hellboy, uh, so you might want to go check him out and see see if he's there. And they're like, well, yeah, we just saw a big explosion from over there because I guess they're, you know, they're not too far away. So we're pretty sure that has something to do with Hellboy. He's like, yeah, Hellboy's blowing. Th-. Abe's just like, yep, Hellboy's blowing stuff up again. So they're going to go uh, head over and, uh, you know, try to see what's going on with Hellboy heading towards the smoke. Meanwhile, we go back and we see Giorescu. He is there uh, talking to Ilsa again, bringing her to this place to show her what she has to do to what sacrifice she has to make and this thing this giant thing comes up it's this it's this basically this metal cask um and there's this little this little like i don't know like old asian looking guy there he's like oh hello gregory and hello also to you also hopstein i have you for this gift from the baba yaga and she's like an iron maiden remzo do you know what an iron maiden is we're talking about the band right yes of course no it's a it's a medieval torture device. Oh yeah, it's like that coffin, right? Yeah, it's basically a a coffin, the, the spiky coffin that they stick you in. Yep, it's so a coffin they, with all these spikes inside. That um, yeah, and then they close the thing on you, and the spikes you know stab you, and you bleed to death. So he's basically like, yeah, Elsa, you're gonna you're gonna go ahead and get into this thing, and uh, you know that's gonna be your sacrifice. And but don't worry, you're gonna be transformed. You know, there's a whole dragon thing. You'll go meet the dragon. You'll come back. It'll all be great. And she's like wait, wait, what? <laughs> it's just like, hold on. I, wait, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, yeah. You're just going to go into the thing and make the sacrifice. And the blood is going to bring back uh, the Baba Yaga and all this stuff. And everything's going to be great. She's like, so thanks to our, thanks to Baba Yaga and to you, Koku. That's the name of this little servant guy. He's like, so tell me, how is the woman doing? And he said, he, and again, it's like plays more into the mythology of, of the Hellboy character. here. He's like, not so well, actually your own little creature, this Hellboy surprised her in the graveyard near Bereznik and shot out one of her eyes. And I get, and what I like about this is that Mike Mandola will reference other stories. I'm pretty sure this story we find, we later see the story in like a Hellboy one shot. So he'll place little like references out there and then he'll come back to them either in another miniseries or a short story somewhere. So he really is like building out this deep mythology that he can kind of, so he has like a, a, a storyline that's going on. You know, these, the, the regular miniseries are sequential in order essentially, but he also ends up having these one shots and other specials and short stories that, that come about throughout that kind of fill in some gaps of things that we've heard. So it's, it's really, you can just tell he's has, yeah, 
I have one of the Hellboy Christmas specials, and it's some of the funniest shit I've ever read. Oh, really? I have to get that one. I don't think I have any of those. I gotta find it somewhere. So maybe for Christmas sometime we'll do a hell a very Hellboy Christmas. That'd be that epic. Uh, yeah, but basically she's like, so he's like, so just you just have to die a little. So she's like, wait, I'll go in there and I'll I'll die. She's like, you know, you have to die a little. Like I died a little bit near the river. Uh, the dragon waits for us just outside the threshold of human life. So go and embrace him there. And there is just a tear welling down her eye. But good old Elsa, she fucking loves this guy, man. She does it. She says, for you, master only for you and she closed he closes this thing clang and then you immediately see all the blood pouring out of it you see blood pouring out of the eye and then uh rasputin says see how the dragon is coming and he basically tells this little guy oh thanks thank the baba yaga for this gift so we could do this whole weird ritual and uh destroy all of humanity thanks a lot that's good stuff um so we go on and we go back to castle Giorescu, where uh basically we see hellboy in the rubble that is the word for all of the stuff that is there when a building falls, the word I couldn't remember for like a half hour a few weeks ago, uh, in the rubble. And these town folks, led by this old guy that we saw earlier that was worried about the dark times coming, they are all just dragging the body uh, somewhere. They're basically they're basically talking like, they're basically saying, we don't want to have to do this, but we know we have to do this kind of thing. So it's kind of like they are they serve at the whim of G-Rescue for some reason. We don't really know why, but he basically has this hold over these old townsfolk and for whatever reason, whatever that hold is, they they have to do this thing. So they go and get Hellboy, and they're bringing him somewhere for something. Uh, we go back to Norway with the Ragnarok Nazi scientists, and uh, this guy Carl is like the Apocalypse Army is is all is now complete, and we have six hundred and sixty six of them. And uh, Leopold's like, well, that's actually uh, no von Klempt, who is now alive inside this head in the jar. By the way, I love I love head in the jar Nazis, big fans. Von Klempt's like, that's actually like pretty small for an army. And Carl's like, uh, the number is symbolic, okay? <laughs> so I love even like the Nazi dialogue is often uh, pretty pretty witty and pretty funny here. Why can't you just let me be happy, huh? Yeah. And uh, basically, Carl is telling the whole plan uh, with with uh, Rasputin. He's like, on the last day, Rasputin will come again. His spirit will enter into a body that we will create. He will stand side by side. So I think that's actually the mummy he was creating uh, to be Rasputin's body. And together they will shatter the prison of the dragon and call the dragon to earth. And and the, the, this Von Klempt is like, what, what, dragon? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ogudra Jihad, the seven who are one, you know, the serpent who will purify the earth uh, with fire so Rasputin can raise a, few, a new world out of ashes. You know, that guy, he's like, that, then what? Everyone naked and happy in paradise? I thought, I think you were a little frozen too long. Like, this is a terrible plan. So this Von Klempt guy's like, I have a dozen half-finished projects hidden in the jungles of South America. Any one of them can make us the most powerful man in this world i only need manpower and i've got this magic army of yours now so why don't we use that why don't we burn down the world and we can be its masters and right as uh, he's saying this this leopold guy comes up and he says that's enough that that's enough vlasputin is our master i got, I got a little arnold schwarzenegger there uh and, he, and he's like leopold no and and, and von comes like carl and carl takes this giant wrench which is the biggest wrench i've ever seen in my life it's as big as his whole body and smashes uh this uh herman von klemp's uh, the jarhead and Carl's like, no, no, stop. What are you doing? We were just, we were, we were just discussing. We weren't making plans to overthrow Vasputin. We were just having a, a conversation. It wasn't what you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting into a fight. Carl grabs this knife because he's defending. I, I'm pretty sure he's in love with Von Klempt. Kind of like how in, in the last episode or two episodes ago, you mentioned how Polly in Rocky four fell in love with the robot. I kind of get a similar vibe here. Like he doesn't say it, but you kind of get the sense there's a little more to this thing with Carl and, and Von Klempt because he gets so 
defensive over him that he he stabs Leopold and Leopold dies. They're totally fucking. Le- they have to be Leopold. You don't you don't just defend your regular buddy like that. Like come on, <laughs> Leopold. What have I? What have I? And uh, then he screams for screams for his master, who we then go see back in Romania. Uh, and uh, we see the Iron Maiden. We see Rasputin, and he's saying Hellboy. So we now see that Hellboy is kind of like tied up to this not a cross, but it's like a stake in the ground. And uh, Rasputin, guess what? Another speech, given another speech. And he's like, look, you had a glorious purpose, but when you denied it, you forced me to recreate your replacement. Now you have no purpose at all. And nature hates a purposeless being. And he does this little spell of some kind. He says, "Uh, we are what we are. Our path, and we are, we have our paths to travel. Yours ends here. Goodbye. That is the end of chapter four. What do you think is going to happen to Hellboy, Remzo? What do you think about our story thus far before we head into the thrilling conclusion of Wake the Devil? Wake the Devil by the title does come from Rasputin's uh, speech right here. He's like, you got to wake the devil. She's just like, you got to wake the devil inside you, motherfucker. So that's that's where this title comes from. I can't name often when like the villains of a story have actually been more interesting than the hero. But I got to say, all the all the stuff going on with uh, with the evil Nazi cults and everything like the the villains, like they're they're just the way that they talk and the way they're conspiring and everything like they're actually the most interesting part of the story. And I I got to really commend it when you can make the villains more interesting than the hero in your story. You've done something. You've done something good. Indeed. So heading into issue five, our thrilling conclusion, we see that this guy, Clark, Mr. Clark, remember, he's a mister. So let's, let's see what happens to him. Mr. Clark and Abe Sapien. They're following the signal on Hellboy. They have these cool little jetpacks. It's pretty neat. I joined the BRPD. Get myself a jetpack. Uh, they fly into this Romanian town. They see things are kind of like creepy. Things are looking weird. There's uh, all the doors are closed. Nobody's outside. There's uh, red crosses uh, painted on every door. And Clark's just like, no, nice vampire town. Like he's, he's seen this before. <laughs> like he knows what's up. And uh, Abe has this um, is like following this beacon from Hellboy. He follows it into this church where they see this priest and they're like father. And then they're like, Hey, that's Hellboy's That's Hellboy's belt signal on this priest guy. And he's like, Oh shit, this is a trap. We see that same Raven appear again. Uh, and then he says, Hey, and they go to grab this thing from this priest. And it was the priest we saw earlier talking to that old guy. And the priest's head just falls right off. So this was not a, a live priest. It was just basically a body that they had tied Hellboy's beacon to, to lure them into this trap because they then fall through the floor. They fall down and poor Clark, he gets impaled and Clark is dead. So like I said, if you ever watch Star Trek and, and you know when you meet Ensign Ensign Smith or whatever, you're not going to see Ensign Smith by the end of that episode. It's very similar to the BRPD and and the misters. If you're if it's a, a mister something, you know what's going to happen to him. So uh, Clark gets impaled. Abian's yelling, Clark, Clark. Oh, no. Oh, no, Clark. How I how I loved you. So I've known you for so long since the beginning and since three issues ago. Uh, and Sapien falls to the ground. Who's waiting for them? This motherfucker is he's spirit form now, so he can just be anywhere anytime. Rasputin is there, and Rasputin's basically giving him a little speech now. He's like, hey, motherfucker, it's the guy who took my life, because as you may recall, it was actually Abe Sapien who who killed Rasputin at the end of uh, the last uh, of Seed of Destruction. It was not Hellboy able to do the final deed, and he's like, look, I still got this scar, and there's just smoke billowing out of out of his part of him. Like it's, like, it's like, it's it's like, it's not even like a cut. It's just an open part of his body that doesn't exist that just smoke and flames come out, and he basically tells him, he's like, 
Um, of my murderers, you are the only one left unpunished because Liz had like her life completely ruined. She lost her mind. Uh, he's like, Hellboy's about to b- b- fucking die right now. And uh, you still need to be, be punished. But, uh, you know, you, I'm going to, I'm not going to do anything to you right now. He's like, someday you will die as I died. And the hands on the spear shaft will belong to another, but the heart that drives them will be mine. So again, I really like this stuff because, you know, Vlad's powerful. He doesn't need to kill him right now. There's actually maybe more, it's kind of more evil to not just kill him right now and to be like, no, someday you're going to face my fate and you don't know when it's going to be coming and, and you're not even, you're going to see who did it and, and you're, you're not going to, it's not going to look like me. It's going to be somebody else, but it's going to be fucking me. And now Abe's got to live with this his whole life. That's some Macbeth That's shit. Some serious Macbeth shit right here. Right here. Um, yeah. Again, it just plays in the mythology more. It's like the past mythology, but we're also building the future mythology and you know, Mike Magnola is going to pay it off. Uh, Cause he really, it's, it's very Eric Larson in the sense that, you know, when, when Mike Magnola plants seeds, like he plants them, he's not randomly planting seeds. He's planting seeds so they will grow and sprout. And then he can, you know, snap off the branches. I think it's as far as I can go with, with the, uh, the seed analogy. Um, we head back to, um, um, Abe, Abe Sapien is actually, um, there's this, like, uh, there's this head, this, uh, this decapitated head that's down there. And it says, Abraham, Abraham Sapien, do you hear it's, it's Oh yeah. It's the head of the, the priest. Uh, there's this headless, uh, the head of the priest is down there and it says, Abraham Sapien, do you hear sunken bells are tolling for thee? Out of the caverns of Numia Basik, dark and terrible deep, the ocean is calling her children home. And Abe's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. And Abe's, Abe's getting out of there. He's had enough of this shit today. Um, let's see. And, uh, we go back to Hellboy and he is basically sitting there tied to this thing as, um, as we see the Iron Maiden there and the Iron Maiden begins to speak. It says, my love. And, uh, the, the Ravens are talking too, and he's like, G rescue. And, uh, um, uh, Hellboy's just screaming G rescue. And then we see this figure start to appear, uh, from the distance, slowly get closer and closer. And we hear the voice, Hellboy, kill my kin, bring down my house, even violate that sacred temple, my own human body. Do you finally realize the futility of it? And now we have a fully realized, fully alive, fully vampiric, yellow eyed, fanged Vladimir G rescue. And he says, it is pale Hecate's immortal blood that flows in these veins. Her will alone Cruises these limbs to move, this heart to beat, this brain to work and reason, and her thirst is in me also, and I'll have your blood for it. Blood! And again, I just love how a lot of Hellboy, it does remind me, and I know that Mike Mignola has worked with Eric Larson and they are very influenced by each other, so it's probably not a coincidence, but it's like a lot of these Savage Dragon battles, they get built up, and then it like ends in like one punch or something. It's kind of similar here. Vladimir's going through this whole speech, he's charging at him, charging at him on his horse, and he's yelling, blood for Hecate! And then uh, Hellboy's just like, come on, come on, and he pulls the stake out of the ground while he's still handcuffed to it, and just pulls it over his head and smashes G Rescue, and he suddenly turns into a skeleton. Him and the horse both turned into skeletons and he basically just kills them immediately. So all this build up, all this hype. And he finally, you know, they finally bring this Gia rescue fully back to life and Hellboy just destroys him immediately, which I just love. He's like, you're he is, again, you don't want to give Hellboy a long speech. Cause he's, then he's not going to have a long drawn out battle with you. He's just going to, he wants the speech to fucking end and he's going to fucking kill you the fastest way possible. Uh, it's kind of a, a trademark from Hellboy. And he also tosses in his kids, the cat, his, his usual line here. You got the wrong guy, <laughs> which he continues to say, but the trouble is not over because then we hear Hellboy, you cannot escape your destiny. Now this Iron Maiden is fucking alive and it scoops him up and, sw- and chomps on Hellboy and then swallows him freaking whole. And it is now like a serpent. So it's it's now seems that Hecate that he's already kind of fought once is now like alive inside this Iron Maiden and swallows him. 
Um, he then is falling down and, and now he's speaking to like this voice, this voice that's speaking to him. It's, it's like, behold the pit and the beast shall come forth out of the pit to break the heavens and loose the dragon to burn the world. And he's like, who, who are you? He's like, does the darkness have a tongue and a voice and a name for Same. its calling? Om Nung Raba. He goes through all these different names. It is chaos that is speaking to you, but it's basically, this is the embodiment of the devil, I guess you might say, or, or the concept of Satan. It basically speaking to him. It's not, it doesn't have a human body. And, and again, Hellboy's just like, yeah, you got the wrong guy. Uh, and we see these other creatures that I don't even know where they're supposed to be. If they're out there hell, where Hellboy was, but they're, they're, they're kind of narrating the same. They're like, Oh, the beast, the corpse born blinder of innocent women, heaven, hell, and human come together as one Daki Ab Jura as foretold in prophecy. And yet watch him. So they're watching from like another place. I think these are some of these like interdimensional denom- demonic creatures that we kind of see now and again, pop into Hellboy that are kind of watching the events play out. And this creature says, deliver the world back into, into chaos, break, uh, wake your devil heart. He's basically saying, you're the one, you're the beast. You are the beast. You are, he is basically supposed to be Satan, like Hellboy, you know, not Satan, but it's confusing. Maybe he's more like Lucifer. He's supposed to be like the actual physical manifestation of the devil on earth. And he says, set upon, set upon your brow, that crown of fire, your coming of age is the death knell of man. And Hellboy's just screaming no, and he and you see his horns. Now he had the broken horns before. Now you see the horns have fully grown out and the vo- grown out into full, you know, full Lucifer horns. I guess you could say. He says, "You know this is true. You have always known." Hellboy just screams, "Ah, uh, no!" And those other like demonic creatures that are watching, they also go. Oh no. And and the voice is like, you know what you have to do? You're either going to die or join with me. You might deny my destiny this one time, or you might die. Uh, and he says, you only have these two choices. And he's like, oh yeah, well screw you. I choose, I choose door number three. And he rips off his horns and just cracks them off his head. And these like creatures that were watching, they're like impossible born of human woman in hell, reborn of human design on earth. And now finally he gives birth to himself. So now I guess whatever and he said, they say it's a miracle. So whatever has happened, here with Hellboy ripping off his his horns here. He basically, I think he's taken fully control of himself now. Like that is basically the last vestige of connection that he had to this darkness, to the chaos, what have you. Um, and right as he's kind of standing there, uh, Liz comes up. He's like, oh, hey, there you are. Tough couple days. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to be pretty sore in the morning. He's like, oh, you, you made it to Romania. That's nice. And he's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I came to try the paprika chicken. You okay? I'm sorry. That's not Liz. That's that other... Is it I think it's the other lady. No, it is. It's that actually yeah. the other woman, Kate, that we saw him flirting with earlier. No, it's not Liz. I get them confused because uh, they're the only two women in the book and they look kind of similar. No, that's that other Kate woman who's in the BRPD. And she's, she's just kind of recapping things to, uh, to uh, Hellboy, he's asking what happened. She's like, "Yeah, this thing's fu- a fucking disaster, man. Like, like a broke his arm. That Clark guy's dead. So's that Waller guy." <laughs> she's like, "What about Liz?" She's like, "Oh, she had one another one of her episodes. She's in total shock. That new guy, the new guy, got burned, and they've already been airlifted out. So all three of the new guys got totally fucked up. Uh, either died or got severely burned. And she even says the plane that was supposed to pick you guys up blew up on the way and the runway and killed the whole crew. He's like, "Geez, fuck! How could everything go so wrong?" She's like, "Yeah, we don't really know what happened here." And it's just a strange world. And Hellboy's like, you don't know the fucking half of it. It's a lot stranger than you even think. Uh, then we head over back to Norway and we see that these Nazis, that, that Carl, they're actually trying to, it looks like Carl is now working on the body of that Leopold. Um, they're trying to bring him back to life. And this Von Klempt uh, head in the jar is yelling, weakling, you're making me sick. Carl's like, quiet, just shut up. They're all arguing amongst each other. And then you hear a voice from off the panel. 
you hear, you see, because we're reading. You are all to blame. You dare bring that this abomination into my holy church. Sacrilege! And it's Rasputin. He's fucking back again. They're like, oh, God, master, please, please, please. They're like, look, it wasn't me. Vinko sound, Zinko found this thing. He's really pissed about this, that this Von Klempt character is there because Rasputin had him killed like 50 years ago or something. And they're like, no, master, I was just doing what I was told. And he's like, silence! He's like, I will strike you all blind. And they and this one guy, the Zinko guy, goes blind. You see his eyes go white. He's like, I can't see, I can't see. And as he's running away, he presses this button and Carl's like, oh, don't don't touch that. And right as he has the button, you see the button go zing. And then it just blows up. And as you see Rasputin, Spirit Rasputin just saying, Hellboy. Uh, we go back to Romania where Hellboy is flying away uh, on the helicopter here. And they're saying, yeah, we got a message from the ground. And Hellboy's, because earlier Hellboy's like, oh yeah, you guys might want to watch out for like an, a living Iron Maiden walking around. They're like, yeah, we don't see any any Iron Maiden anywhere. I don't think there's any signs of her. He's like, well, good. I didn't really want to see that bitch again anyway. <laughs> uh, then we just get like kind of a little recap of sorts. Um, just a couple, sort of a little, a little epilogue here. We, we, we read that the skeleton of Vladimir Giorescu was to have been moved to BP, BPRD headquarters in Fairfield, Connecticut. It was placed in temporary storage at the Bucharest airport where it disappeared and has never since been recovered. Also, the head of Father Nicholas Budins never spoke again, but for weeks it continued to be the focus of poltergeist activities, including sudden temperature changes and the levitation of objects. It is currently on loan to the Paul Vey Institute in Avignon, France. We have one more epilogue, though. We are not done yet. We see Rasputin. He's kind of bummed out. He's at the World Tree, the place that he saw seen images of since he was a kid, where he sees, he meets the Baba Yaga, this witch who he, he refers to as, as his grandmother. And she basically breaks to him this whole thing. She's like, yeah, you're actually a pawn. You're actually not not that really important. He's like, no, I was born special. Uh, I was, I've, I've done all this stuff. I can heal. I, I can't be killed. I'm immortal. And she's like, yeah, but why do you think all that's happening? Like, who do you think's guiding all that stuff? She's like, it's, it's the forces of chaos. They're just, they're just using you to do their means. He's like, no, 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 no. I brought back that, the goddess Hecate, the, the, the Iron Maiden came to life. He's like, yeah, so is the Iron Maiden serving you? And he's like, well, no, uh, uh, Oh no. And basically yeah, you kind of feel bad for him a little bit. He has his hands in his, his head in his hands here. And he's just kind of bummed out and he's like, Oh, cheer up, cheer up little guy. Look, it's that house, the house with the chicken leg that he dreamed of since he was a boy. It hasn't changed at all. And she's like, just stay with us. Stay with us here. Just rest. You've been through a lot. He's like, no, no, I don't think so. I'm going to go on a little while longer. Cause she's like, look, you're not a God. You're just a man. Like you're you might be a man who had some mystical powers, did some satanic shit, came back to life. But at the end, you're just a fucking man. So he's like, and that's when he got really bummed out. But then he's like, you know what? I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to leave. And maybe I'll see, maybe a man can make himself a God as, as Rasputin walks off. So again, we perhaps have not quite seen the last of Rasputin to fight. The, you got to give this guy credit. He doesn't give up. Like he, he faces defeat after defeat and he keeps going, but that does do it for Hellboy wake the devil. Remzo. I've been talking for a while. I'll let you just dive right in with your thoughts. Well, Mark, I, I remember I gave the story a pretty high score last time, and I was a bit of a hardballer on the on the artwork. I gotta say, I don't know, maybe it's because of my my taste has changed, or because the last I want to say five six episodes, the art has just not really impressed me. I feel like I want to break that run. I've definitely become a lot more uh, admiring of Magnola's art style. I even went back and read uh, Gotham by Gaslight and the terror that came to Gotham. Uh, to Batman Elseworld stories that he did. And I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm either a convert or just comparison to the last, you know, six episodes or so. This is just remarkably better. I'm going to give the artwork a four. 
I actually think this one really deserved it. And I'm going to give I'm going to give the story a four because just because something is formulaic doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. And, and, you know, I complimented the way that he had the villains and the antagonists throughout it. Like this was a very crafty story that was put together. I would actually say I enjoyed this more than Seed of Destruction, and I did enjoy Seed of Destruction. So I'm going to go ahead and give the story a four for almost dialogue and structural consistency alone for a total score of an eight out of ten. I would agree with you overall, especially I did enjoy this one even more than Seed of Destruction. So even if it feels like, okay, we're kind of battling the same people, we're kind of dealing with the same the same wizard guy that wants to bring this dragon into the world and bring chaos, like on paper that's formulaic, but the way that it plays out is not really formulaic and it really does feel like a continuation of the story but uh, an improvement on the story as well we're getting more of the backstory uh, more of the mythology is being integrated we're really learning the characters a lot more and we're really getting to know Hellboy a lot more and, and how he interacts with uh, you know these creatures how he, he makes his quips and his attitude and his whole like yeah you got the wrong guy I'm not this fucking thing even though he is we all know he is but he denies it to, to the last day till his last breath and uh, I really tr- truly do enjoy the art of Mike M- Mignola it is it is like an acquired taste I think so which I think that makes sense that the more you get, the more you see it, the more you enjoy it. I would call Eric Larson's art pretty similar because it's very different kind of art. It's not your standard mainstream art. Some, some might call it like sloppy in certain ways, but it's like intentionally, that's like kind of part of the style. Um, I wouldn't use that term, but I, I can see why others do at times, but I, I really, really enjoy the art. It does have its flaws at times. Sometimes things are a little confusing. Sometimes it's hard to tell exactly what's going on. Uh, like to me, Kate, Well, you know that he, you know that he actually would draw on black paper and color around it. Oh, wow. No, that's wow. That's really interesting. That's the thing about him. Like he oh, does. So that's why the art is so he does everything different. on black paper. That's fascinating. And it just raised my art score. That's how that you raised my score live. Cause I was going to give it a four with that knowledge that I can't believe I didn't know. I should know that I'm the host of this, this episode about it, but I never knew that. And that's amazing. So I'm up in the score of a half. Cause that's impressive as fuck. Uh, I'm giving him now a 4.5 on art. Uh, just, just for the added addition of that knowledge. Uh, and then I, I will agree with you on the story. Uh, like this is not Shakespeare. Uh, it's not Alan Moore or Neil Gaiman, but it's, it's fun, man. It's really good and really fun. You never get bored. You don't have time to get bored in a Hellboy story because, you know, even I guess if you were the kind of person that didn't enjoy this stuff, maybe you get bored at some of these speeches and diatribes. But by the time you kind of get there, Hellboy is there to make fun of it. And then you like connect with the character more, too. You're like, you know, so you get the information you need to understand the characters. And then you're there with Hellboy going, OK, enough of this bullshit. And then we got to fight. And it just it kind of just flows so per- so well. So I'm going to give the writing a four as well. So that thing gets an eight point five from me a notch higher due to the information that that you added at the last minute for me. So, yeah. And I mean, the reason why I didn't go above a four is because sometimes like I I could, I could understand, like, I like that he does that, but I don't think every page and every panel is necessarily that's necessary for. So I almost wish that he would go back and like, you know, this page I could do this and this one may be colored in because there are some parts where I feel like it's almost too blacked out. And it's like, you know, just because you can doesn't always mean you should. So that's why I kept it at four and I didn't go higher. And I think four is stellar enough. Like I haven't given many things uh, very incredible scores on art recently. So, I mean, this is really and I think I gave it like a three or three point five when we did see a destruction. This time, I think my taste has changed. And because of that, I really do admire it for. So I'm like, you know what? Four out of five. I'm, I'm happy with that. All right. Well, either way, we both really enjoyed it. It's an SBC total score of 16.5. Well in the you should read this range. I think we oh, yeah. agreed on that. Like a 16 or higher is, is almost like a definite. It's almost like a you should read this. Um, so, yeah, that definitely gets a, a high recommendation from both Remzo and myself. Um, 
That's all I got, Remzo. Anything you want to add before we wrap things up here? Folks, this, this fun does not stop after the podcast ends. Go ahead and support us and get more awesome stuff as a result of your patronage over at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. And if you can't get enough of us and you want to go ahead and spread the fun throughout the cosmos, please go on Mr. Al Gore's amazing internet to wherever you're listening to the show, preferably Apple Podcasts, and leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll even read it on the show live. All right, well, that wraps it up. Uh, Until next time, folks, we encourage you to continue to read comics and change the world! And change the world. Good night, America. Adios. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.